Hi, I'm Jerry House. You know, I've known these shady ladies for a very long time, and I love to hear their stories, but you have to take them with a grain of salt. Now, these tales and opinions are not for the faint of heart. And this podcast is not suitable for children, but then neither is the music business. So light one up and lighten up, because you're listening to the Shady Ladies of Music City. Is this on? Are we doing it now? What are we saying again? I'm Evelyn. And I'm Susan. Some people refer to us as... The Shady Ladies of Music City. So, this is our second podcast in quarantine. Self-isolation. What? Self-isolation. Self-isolation. But, uh, whatever. And the first one, I didn't get real, uh political uh we just talked about the fact that you know the administration was not handling this well and now it's proven to be more than true that the administration so mishandled the pandemic that we are the united states our citizens are now blocked from going into most countries in the world because the rate of infection is so high here so we were right in our first podcast, you know, and I kind of look at it as we are now facing three pandemics, the virus, racism, and stupidity. And uh, stupidity is causing the virus to spread like wildfire because no one wanted to wear masks in the administration. And it's, you know, causing racism to be exacerbated because I don't think the administration understands what's going on, although why they don't, I'll never know. And stupidity is just what it is. What do you think, Evelyn? Well, I agree with everything that you said. It's really kind of uh, a sad state of affairs when you think that we're now in July. But, you know, it's just alarming to think that, you know, how many months has this been now? You know, six months, five months of uh, just kind of huddled down in our stupidity and arguing about whether people should wear face masks or not. But equally, you know, distressing as the pandemic is, is the whole, you know, reality of the racism in this country. And obviously a lot of it, you know, has to do with education. You know, I was raised, you know, going to schools around the world, truthfully. And, you know, I never heard of some of this stuff. And I don't think that the average American... Uh, white American was that aware of, you know, like, I mean, I grew up in a military family, but I never quite realized that all the bases and stuff were named for Confederate heroes. And I don't think that a lot of people knew that. So maybe it's a good thing to be in this quarantine and to have to take a real look at ourselves and our country. Well, I think that's right. You know, I feel uh, kind of embarrassed in a way because I was a very active protester in the 60s, uh, you know, and belonged to all those organizations, Student Committee on Racial Equality and everything, SCORE and all that, and SNCC. And I did not know that the horrible things that are going on now I didn't realize that there were a black person was killed almost every day in this country. And I attribute that to the fact that white privilege. 
I was so consumed with getting ahead in the music business and making money and looking good and having the right clothes and all of that that I wasn't aware of stuff like Breonna Taylor or George Floyd or any of the other massive number of black citizens that I've had to come to be aware of. And I don't understand how we could have not known because it, I would, did not consider myself a racist, but I was so self-absorbed. And I think so many of my friends were too. So self-absorbed, you know, we all thought we were doing the right thing if we voted right. But I now look at it and see that, you know, we really missed the boat on what was going on. And I understand, I mean, I believe in Black Lives Matter. I understand why so many black people are so hostile and why they call the white women Karen and all of that. Because we missed the boat. We weren't paying attention to what was going on. We were only paying attention to what was going on in our community. That's true. I mean, you know, what can you say? It, it, I, I think that maybe this will be a good realization for people to look back on it. I mean, we're clinging to things that, you know, mean nothing. You know, these uh, statues and stuff that have become such a big thing. I mean, these statues, I think sort of in my own warped understanding of it all, I kind of thought that they were built, you know, maybe right after the Civil War, which makes no sense, you know, that you would do that to you know, what was considered a traitor, you know, traitors, and that it only came around, you know, during Jim Crow, which was basically just to try to put black people under the thumb again. And, um, you know, good, let them tear all that shit down. I mean, enough of it already. Well, but a lot of uh, my friends that are Southerners and my partner, you know, they uh, look at it and think that, you know, we're trying to destroy history and you know you can't rewrite history but you can, it would but be history is that they lost and that they you know only started building all these statues to themselves you know many years later again to just reinforce the fact that they in their opinions black blacks were not equal i mean no matter how you cut it it would be as if the United States put up statues of, or as if Germany put up statues of Hitler, Hitler and Mengele's and all that in Germany, not here, because that's where they were. But I think that a lot of these subjects, you know, have been brought up, uh, and it's time to kind of face those realities. And right. even in the music business, even in the country music business, there's an effort here to try to... Um, be a bit more fair in, in the whole process, and I don't know if that's working, but I do see that there, at least there's a little bit of lip service over it. I mean, in all the years that I've been in the music business in Nashville, which is, you know, like 20 or 30 years at this point. How about 30 you know, or 40? Besides <laughs> Charlie Pride, there's the constant search for a black artist that can get through. And, you know, that's Don't all be kind gray. of... That's kind of like, but that, Dobie Gray wasn't like a real country artist. Dobie Gray just kind of got accepted over time. But when did no, he? No, he was an R and B artist. But yeah, hopefully there's a real effort being made to give you know uh, some people that have been around a long time a, a better chance at getting through. 
But then there's the whole point, do, you know, black artists really want to be in country music? Do they want to sing about their truck and their drinking and their woman that left them? No, they sing about it because R&B is really similar to country music, but they sing about it in a different way. Me and Mrs. Jones and stuff like that, a much more soulful way than, you know, my girl left me and, you know, my truck died and all that shit. And well, that's, it's, it's, you know, that's that's country music as, you know, it's being produced today. I mean, you know, for so many years, we always talked about country music being like the flip side of the blues. And, you know, God knows there's been a ton of, you know, black Southern people that grew up and, and wanted to sing country music. But, you know, all of a sudden that, too, became, you know, a racist divide line. You know, if somebody does want to sing country music, they shouldn't be excluded simply because they're black. If they choose to, Charlie Pride was a pretty hard country singer, no matter how you cut it. I mean, there's Reese Palmer now. A bunch of, of young black artists are trying to get through, and it'll be interesting to see if they're given a forum in well, this new Well, I awakening. can't think of a male except for Kane Brown, and he's never denied that he's black. Yeah, well, that's the point. I mean, if they want to sing country, they should, you know, everybody should be allowed to sing, you know, what, what's in their heart, and if, you know, they want to go for a career in it, they shouldn't be excluded for, you know... And, you know, it's one thing to have a label sign people, but it's a whole other thing to get radio to play them or for uh, the industry to really embrace it. But I think that there's a lot of changes going on. Well, you know, I would like to look at this whole quarantining pandemic thing as the fact that we're in the midst of a global awakening. And, you know, people all around the world are kind of awakening to see what's going on. You know, first of all, environmentally, you know, the world is totally fucked. And you look up and you see that, you know, the ice is melting so quickly in the Antarctic. And now there's in the Arctic. And they're saying that uh, so many areas are going to be flooding that we never thought they'll be absorbed by water. And, you know, nobody ever thought of before. They're even talking about coming inland a lot further. And animals are uh, becoming extinct. I read an article yesterday in National Geographic that said 350 elephants in Botswana have dropped dead and they have no idea why. And birds are dying. And, And so, you know, there's this whole natural thing that's going on. That I think it's is the end of the world. Let's face it. I mean, I think that humankind has, you know, so screwed up the environment and, and the natural order of things that we're just getting whacked left and right. You know, as we keep saying, the only thing missing is the locusts, and God knows that they're all over Africa. And next year we'll have cicadas, so it'll bring us full circle. Yeah, I don't really understand the difference between cicadas and locusts, but Ted keeps pointing it out to well, me. Well, locusts that is- eat everything and destroy all the crops and cause, cause starvation. Uh, cicadas just kind of try to mate and drop dead. <laughs> They're not destroying anything. You know, cicadas could probably morph, just like the god dang virus is morphing. And if you think of it as the end of the world and not an awakening that we can all recover from and change things, then it's more than depressing. I do think. I think a lot of people have really had their eyes opened up. And, you know, I think that things are at such a horrible, you know, pace moving forward that, you know, everybody has to put the brakes on and say, you know, it's time to take a real look at what, 
you know, we're all about. I hope so. How Who knows? The, I mean, I'm not going to be alive long enough to see it. The kids that are going to have to deal so. with the world that we've left them. You know, these, you know, the millennials, which is, you can see why they don't care about shit. They don't care about buying houses. They don't care about this. They don't care about that. And why should they? They see what we've done and they see what a mess we've made of it. Well, if they want to have a future, they need to, you know, start, you know, thinking about it. I don't know what's happened that, you know, young people have so little empathy or um, that they care what they're doing in terms of, you know, passing this virus around. The fact that there were kids in Alabama that had parties trying to see who could get the virus first and, you know, win a pot of money. I mean, they're so, you know, like going back to the 60s and 70s during those protests that, that, you know, you had mentioned earlier. I remember, you know, living in New York and take, you know, a, we used to protest down in the village and around New York and everybody went down to Washington on buses to uh, protest in front of the White House. But people, it seemed to me, cared and it was not as scary as it is today. I think the most scary thing as bad there wasn't it, a pandemic then. Well, forget the pandemic. I mean, just in terms of people having any empathy or caring. I mean, the thing about, you know, the marches that we were involved in is that people cared very passionately, as they do in the Black Lives Matter. But the, the thing that's hard to understand is all the young people that just, re, you know, refuse to wear the mask and don't care, and they're taking their chances, and it's just a cold, and they don't care if they spread it around. That's because they have Trump. Telling them it's a hoax. Well, it's That's more than leader. that. It has to be more than that. You don't just get, you know, they, these people are being raised in a very strange way that they care so little about anything other than themselves and their own greed and their own, you know, career path. I don't get it. It's a different world, but I have to I have to believe that we help to create what's going on now. Oh, yeah. This whole, you know, it has to just be this whole focus on career success money um money social we were standing. the most ag- egregious people all we you know everybody was just obsessed with money getting things buying new cars getting new clothes gucci pucci chanel you know that's all that mattered global awakening the global awakening do you think it's happening the global awakening I guess it is. Yeah. In one sense, everybody's sort of in the same boat with the uh, pandemic, except for the United States, which, of course, is in a worse boat. We're in a sinking boat. But uh, it sort of has put everybody on an equal playing field to some degree, uh, because as I keep saying, the virus knows, you know, no boundaries. It doesn't uh, care if you're, you know, a Republican or a Democrat or an American or an Italian or whatever. Some countries, you know, handle it all better than we have because we're so independent as a country. It's just like, how dare you tell me? Money. Money. It's all been about money. That's all Trump talked about. How great the economy was. How great the stock market was. He never talked about childhood diseases. He didn't talk about education. He didn't talk about any of that. He talks about Minimum wage. Just a simple thing like the minimum wage. They can't even raise to that. I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, I don't get it. I would, you know, I mean, I've always, you know, people that don't like paying taxes and bitch about it constantly, I've never felt that way because I, you know, you expect certain kinds of things from, you know, your country and 
And if you're lucky enough to be successful, my business manager used to say the biggest issue you should have is that you have to pay a lot of taxes. It means you're making a lot of money and you're doing good and, you know, you shouldn't begrudge, you know, what you have to pay to have the kind of lifestyle you want. And, and you know, that your tax money should go and help the less fortunate, not just kind of, you know, in the case of, like, say, Trump, you know, not to finance his uh, golf games and his, you know, hotels and I hope that it is a time where the world's going to try to reorganize and try to regroup and try to clean the oceans and try to save the animals. And maybe, you know, the young people will all get together continent to continent and see what's going on and try to save the world. Because if they don't, I don't know what's going to happen to the earth. So that we can continue with our light up and lighten up theme. It was good news that that Nashville at least is not going to arrest people for having, you know, less than a half an ounce of uh, pot on them. Less than a half an ounce. But, you know, how many people are running around with more than a half an ounce in their pocket? Not that many people. So um, I think that that's a good step forward. They should just go ahead and legalize it. It's so ridiculous. They should legalize it and then they could get money from it and then they wouldn't have to raise the property taxes. Well, that seems to be the uh, basic feeling amongst a lot of people. <laughs> well, I did get, I mean, I had my hair cut really, really short. I was sick of my long hair and how to put it up. But I've never been that hair savvy. And, you know, put your hair up. I mean, KT used to try to show me all the time how to put it up in one of those clip things. And I tried and it never looked good. And I always felt like I looked like a pinhead with a small head and a big body. Well, now I really feel like a pinhead because I've cut my pinhead really short. But uh, I went in and saw Earl, who I've been seeing since 1976, and I said, you know, I'd kind of like to get my hair cut like Judy Dench. And he said, great idea, like he'd been waiting there for years for me to come to this conclusion. Then it made me think, oh, my God, I must look horrible with this long hair like an old witch. But uh, he cut my hair, and I love it. I'm very happy with it. I, too, went to the hairdresser. My big outings to public places have been once to the hairdresser, which I felt very good about with Earl at Trump's because I was the only person in the room, him and me, so that was, you know, pretty safe. And I went to the dentist, which was a whole other story, but... um, Yeah, we don't feel that safe at the dentist. And I have to go back, unfortunately, so try as you might. You can't totally protect yourself in these, you know, times. It's shocking. People that are young don't wear masks, even at the dentist, and they come waddling in with no masks on. And if I say to them, don't you have a mask, they become hostile to me. Like, oh, you old bitch. <laughs> we don't care if you drop dead. You know, it's hard enough trying to deal with all of this and, and you know, being, uh, you know, conscious and aware of the fact that you have to wear the mask and, you know, take all these extra precautions and you know, wash your hands constantly and live with a sanitizer in your hand. And uh, and it's kind of heartbreaking when you see people that, you know, take so little uh, or put out such little effort to try to keep other people safe. I mean, I feel pretty confident that I don't have it and that I've, you know, really, you know, been careful. But God, anytime you go out, you take the chance of somebody else screwing it up. 
And, you know, it must transfer, you know, very quickly and easily because, you know, they'll have one party and 90 people came down with it. So, obviously, it's more than, you know, not everybody, all 90 people are coughing away. It's one person coughing away. No, but they must have been doing karaoke or something and singing real loud and spraying. Well, if you're in a bar I mean, and there's music, you're going to talk loud, you know, to kind of be heard over it. And that, that apparently... I've never in my life looked at trails of spit so many times on television. <laughs> this is where your snot goes. If you cough, this is... And it, I mean, if you cough, it extends, the, the germs go the whole length of the plane. Well, no one's flying in this group. <laughs> no, we'll never fly again. You can't go anywhere, and if you get on a plane, you're, you know, you're going to die. Well, that's not true. I mean, you know. Well, it's not untrue. You're going to end up in the hospital. But not if you take all the precautions that they're all saying. You know. I tried to get Ted to do a TikTok video. He refused. Have you seen this? Have you seen this TikTok video where they throw water on the baby? No. The kid's sitting on the mother's lap, and it's suddenly there's a bottle of water, and they pour half of it on the baby, and then everybody laughs except the baby. <laughs> <laughs> I would be happy to do a, a dancing video, and I like that one where the people switch clothes. Like, Ted and I could do a video, and it starts off, he's in a suit with a tie and a hat and all that, and I'm in a gown, and then suddenly in the middle of it, the picture changes, and I'm in his suit, and he's in my gown. Well, that sounds complicated. We're sorry that, you know, it's another kind of, you know, depressing uh, podcast about the situation that we're all living through right now, but... All I can say is I do believe that it's going to get better. I think that, you know, every every bad situation has a silver lining. And, you know, I think that the future might be a better place. So we appreciate everybody listening. Everybody should stay safe and be um, considerate of your fellow citizens and uh, human beings and try to wear a mask and do wear a mask and stay safe. That was good. There's nothing I can add. Okay. <laughs> we have to keep laughing, and that's the most important thing at this point. And if you have any questions, send them in to us. I don't know where you send them. Send them to uh, at Shady Ladies for our uh, Instagram account. I will probably get them if you have any questions. Which I'm sure the country's full of people with questions about this. Adios, people. Take care. God bless. I hope everybody's safe. I hope we're not going to lose any listeners to COVID or racism or stupidity. No, we can't afford to. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You be sure to subscribe and we'll be sure to catch you off guard. So light one up and lighten up. Share and tell your friends. Then rate, review, and subscribe. Don't be quiet about this. We need you to tell everyone because why is someone going to listen to this? No one has any idea who that we are. So it's up to you to get us known. It has to be a viral thing. It has to be a, uh, you know, word of mouth thing because we're putting our faith in your hands. We are.
For more information on the podcast, please visit www.shadyladiesofmusiccity.com. Shady Ladies of Music City is recorded and produced in Nashville, Tennessee, and is presented by Monument Records. Executive producers are Jason Owen, Shane McAnally, and Katie McCartney. Our producer is Sarah DeHilly. Our theme song is written and performed by Robert Shavers. He is also our engineer and editor.